well, let's crack on. Welcome to episode 146. Uh, I am Josh, joined with Adam and Craig. How are we, boys? Could be better, mate. Yeah, um, but I think obviously we're recording straight after um, the City game. So what about you, Adam? How are you? Uh, you know, it was weird to say this, but I would have been really happy with a 3-1 loss. And I'm <laughs> slightly frustrated by a 4-1 loss, but what are you going to do? Yeah, it is. It is always nice, isn't it, when you can when you can substitute on Kevin De Bruyne and Riyad Mahrez uh, out of frustration because you're not dominating enough. It must be really nice to have those kind of options off of the bench. <laughs> yeah, I, ju- I just think we need more nation state clubs in the league. Uh, I think that would be nice. Uh, so some, I think we'll have the last laugh when the fossil fuels run out, but gambling is still very rife. Uh, I think that's when we start <laughs> to take our sort of top three position. Uh, it's just it's, we're playing the long con, really. I think that's it's been the plan all along. Tony's a genius. <laughs> it was another, uh, it was, yeah. Property will never disappear, right? Like um, it was. A, it, speaking of nation states, it was another great day at the office for Newcastle United today. That uh, squeaked, squeaked to a win, uh, draw rather away at Palace. Um, they were rather lucky to not have been beaten with that Benteke goal because uh, I've seen them given a lot uh, with the fouls in the box stuff. So uh, Tarkovsky <laughs> springs to mind game one of the season. <laughs> um, Superb overhead kick though. If you haven't seen Callum Wilson's overhead kick. It was nice. Yeah, it was. It was almost like the 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 Walmart version of Dale Stevens's overhead kick a couple of years ago. Uh, not quite <laughs> as good, um, but, <laughs> but nearly... I mean, we just got to be happy that on the day we played Manchester City and we weren't even in the top two most embarrassing results. So um, that's a victory in and of itself. We are not Norwich Football Club or Everton. Yeah, and and I texted you two today, didn't I? Like, it's so, the Premier League is just so mental. And I, I feel like we've seen, I don't see these results as often in the other leagues because I do keep an eye on most of like the bigger leagues and like you don't really see it happen too much where we will batter Watford almost at walking pace for half that game Uh, and then Everton convincingly cruised past us uh, with kind of our first defeat of the season and only defeat before today and Watford promptly go ahead and batter Everton putting five goals past them Um, and Everton looked an absolute shambles at the back uh, once they equalised and went 2-2. It was appalling. It was worse than us. The most confusing thing about the league this year is that um, every each week you sort of keep thinking, uh, maybe this will make more sense and we'll start to understand it. Uh, like today, you saw, okay, Everton, Everton took it, went, it was early 1-1, wasn't it? But I think they scored the first goal and then, you start thinking, okay, well, Arsenal won. All right, who's good now? Who are we going to... And then just turmoil ensues. And I genuinely don't know who is bad or middling in this league at the moment. There's very clearly two or three incredibly strong teams in the league. And then everyone else is just an absolute clown fiesta. I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when you look at it, I think you've got Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool as an obvious runaway three. And then you've got Norwich as an obvious runaway one <laughs> back to the championship. Uh, there are and- minus 21 goal difference after nine games. I mean, obviously today didn't help, but good luck trying to turn that around to anything vaguely positive. Yeah. 
it's, it's sad though. It's sad. We talked about this last week. This mm. is with Norwich's funding and the way they're structured, playing sides like Chelsea, playing sides like Manchester City, seven nil is not that surprising. So, well, what else do you want from them? Just sit back and then just lose two nil each game. What are they going to do? Like we were saying last week as well, same same thing in terms of you know buying Jack Grealish for a hundred million pounds, hundred forty million dollars. Uh, you know that's our that's probably our stadium and part of the part of the training facilities at the same time for one player. So it's most of our team, isn't it? I mean, it really is. At the very least, what we've spent on our players, our starting eleven today, especially with some important players missing, it's really not that far off of one Jack Grealish, who is pretty crap today as well. Yeah, he was. Uh, and Nick in the chat has asked, because we're talking about Norwich, do you think they're going to outdo Derby? Uh, what did they finish on? 11? Yeah, that was that was, that was a, that was was mental, though, when it happened to Derby, what, 10, 11 years ago? Uh, yeah. I can see Norwich getting a couple of wins. I don't think I could see 15, 16. Can, can happening, but I reckon so. I mean, they've, they've had something about... They've got, they got a draw from us. They've got a couple of draws from elsewhere. Two draws and seven losses. I mean, you, well, you're, ask, you're asking them not to win any games in 38. I, I, know, I, know, that, I know that's very possible. very unlikely, but they've scored two goals and conceded 23. <laughs> and and while I... like, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to go on the sign of, like, this is a sign of things to come with the league. And, and we talked about it a little bit last week with the gap beginning to form with nation states taking clubs and money being spent but Brentford and Watford and Watford are appallingly run and they aren't putting up performances like that I think Norwich and West Bromwich Albion are two teams that are perennially happy sitting doing nothing kind of like the Mike Ashley formula they're very happy to just try and survive and if they don't bounce back first time of asking and I can't imagine how frustrating it must be to be a fan of either of those teams. Because when you look at Brentford and Watford and other teams, you know, Leeds, albeit have been a bit shit this year, uh, you love to see, honestly. And a couple of the other teams, you know, this isn't one of those, oh, well, of course it's going to be like that. We just got promoted. Because teams that have come up with them aren't performing as poorly. It's, It's quite astounding how bad that start has been two goals scored in nine games. Um, it's, it's not shocking. great. And, and we've actually got three, three teams at the bottom of the table winless. I would love to know how often that happens into a season. Um, Cause I feel like we've not seen that happen very often since Albion have been in the premier league to have four, three teams winless uh, nine games in now Burnley, Newcastle and Norwich. And, you know, one of Norwich's draws came against that Burnley side um, and and they were lucky to take that. Uh, I, I don't think they'll do a derby either, but they, they may they may run it close if they don't start getting a fluky result here or there. Well, and the Saudi investment fund play against Chelsea next week as well. So um, that's probably not going to be all that easy. <laughs> I, I, but I still don't understand how to relate this to, to in terms of where we're at and the games we've played because... We got beat clearly by Everton, who today got spanked by Watford, albeit on the counter numerous times. Who Watford, for me, has been our easiest opposition all season. We couldn't beat Norwich, who just conceded seven. I don't, 
I don't. I have no idea how good Brighton are. <laughs> I, I really don't. And is Arsenal, what did they won three 0 yesterday? Uh, who did they play against Villa? I think it was three one at the end. Three one. All right, yeah. and and we that was our best game of the season, in my opinion. I know we didn't score, but we we absolutely played them off the park. Yep. I don't know whether we should be sixth or sixteenth. It's the same. The same goes for some of the other teams as well. You know, we're we're, yeah. we're, ber- we're berating Watford earlier in another podcast, and you know now they've they've beat Villa, they've beat Everton. So I I don't know where Watford meant to. I don't know where they're meant to slot in. I mean, that to, magical to Josh, cloudy Evan Yeah, yeah. But it just it, we're seeing a very distinctive top three and almost a very distinctive bottom four. Um, in terms of you know the Burnley, Newcastle, and Norwich at the bottom, I, I don't see that changing too much in the next few games and then you got you know the top three that are clearly already pulling away and the rest of it is just uh you know we're nine games in now so you should have an indication but we have no clue where we should be and this is this is one of those things as well with that the newcastle thing i know that they're going to spend you know 190 million in january or whatever it is but they've got chelsea next and then they play us they are notoriously poor against us especially at the amex since promoted since promotion um that's two more possible defeats maybe a point um you know they're still sitting on five points come november and their fixture list doesn't get particularly easier um because they start playing a bunch of teams that are in that spot of who who the hell knows you've got your brentfords your arsenals and then you've got norwich and burnley back to back to see you into december the, the the nation state may well not be as comfortable. Uh, you know, I, you can throw 190 million pound at it, but they've still got to gel and get get games together. They've still got to get in a manager because they're still managerless. You would expect them to have one by next week. Um, but you know, if they're sitting there on nine points come January first, you still got to sign all those players. That I'm I'm honestly not convinced that they'll stay up even with it, and it's honestly more wishful thinking I think more than anything, because the the idea of them getting relegated after the takeover would just be so good. Yeah, I mean they'll be a great championship side, wouldn't they? That'd be nice and fair for everyone. Um, which which one of you in the chat said, uh, Craig? I think it was you a little bit earlier we were talking about ten minutes ago. You said, "Watch Pep come out and say how good we are now." Is a quote from Andy Naylor. Pep on Brighton, they have all the mechanisms of a big team. Um, Guardiola, it was really good. Uh, Brighton played a fantastic in the second half. He's such a patronising. I think this that's, is, exact, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, This is yeah. the same Pep that almost cried because Potter was happy we'd scored a goal last season, right? It's just it's just hypocritical and patronising, you know, all in one. And I, everyone, like, I guess... In terms of opinion and bits and pieces, like he's clearly a very good manager, but he's also got unlimited funds at his disposal and he's allowed to, you know, dish it out but not take it in. Like he just seems very soft shelled. It's great that we haven't rattled though. That's great. I mean, it didn't help today, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it did in the second half. The second half, we, we obviously the game changed a lot and we'll probably get into it. Maybe we'll cover the first half in about two seconds because. I sort of don't want to remember it. But the second half for 40 minutes was genuinely impressive. It was a good game of football for us. It was. Let's get into it. Uh, one change from last week uh, was 
Sonny March in something I'd seen a lot on social media this week. I'm not sure if you two have seen the same. I'd seen a lot of people on the Albion hashtags hoping to see more of March. Um, and I think Naylor may have even asked a question um, in the press conference of how do you start putting him in because of the impact he's capable of making? Uh, the answer was play him at right wing back um, slash right midfielder for, or for part of that first half. Uh, and we dropped uh, Shane Duffy to the bench. Quite a surprising move. Um, and that was the only change. Uh, we lined up with three at the back still for that beginning of that first half um, with Veltman slotting into Duffy's spot and Marsh and Cuckoo uh, in the win-back spots. Trossard and Mopay up front as usual. Um, two talking points here. The the decision to throw in Solly March right wing-back, I assume, was uh, the hope to deal with Grealish's pace and just general pace and in, in the entire squad, really, of Manchester City. Um, for me, he was too far up uh, on most of the breaks to really make any difference either way. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Solly March coming in? We'll get into the other one shortly, but solely on Solly March being brought into the side. How did we feel about that? Well, I mean, he's he's perfectly capable at right wing back. I think we we saw that last season before his injury that he was one of our best players. So, from from that perspective, I don't mind it at all. Um, Duffy coming out, um, I'm sure some people on Twitter and sort of like minded people would probably have Dan Byrne come out instead. Um, I think the only justification that I can think of is that aerially we didn't have to worry too much about Man City, or we didn't need to have that sort of big presence because a lot of it would be played on the ground and um, that's the only thing I could possibly think of but obviously to bring March in someone needs to come out and I think it's unfortunate that it was Duffy this time yeah I, I didn't I thought the we we talked about this last week March we're spoiled for choice with players on the wing um in in Kukureya Lamptey back now on March it was good to see him in there I think you're right the, the pace of Grealish was the concern. Turns out the problem was probably more so that we played um, two and a half of maybe the slowest players possible in the centre of the park and uh, got essentially lost the ball further up the field. It's not like, I suppose they were counter-attacks, but we just got carved up through the middle. The, the flanks weren't the problem. Um, and that we talked about that before, right? When you... I don't know with the Basuma situation. Last week we decided that well he's on the bench because the club needs to play a little bit Switzerland here and, and just say, all right, well, we don't want to start him. We also don't want to drop him from the side. We don't want to, you know, give any anyone any ideas. But at the same time, then you're just like, well, you the team today was without a player that could essentially track back in the center of the park. And that was the story of the first half. We just got absolutely obliterated. Yeah. And and that leads into that second point of Shane Duffy being dropped. Um, I agree on the idea of the, the aerial threat was pretty much null and void with this city side. Um, you know, even if they're going to go forward for a free kick, they're likely to play it short. Um, so they're not going to be performing too dangerously in the air. Uh, and Dunk, Veltman and Burn are more than capable of dealing with that. Um, for me, I was I was honestly surprised. Um, I understand the idea of probably doing it possibly for pace on the break as well. Um, but I, Duncan Duffy are a good partnership. They've brought it up together. And he performs 
so much better than the other two center halves today, Veltman and Byrne, from a set piece perspective offensively. That is something that we have caused a lot of problems for against City in the past. And it surprised me to see him dropped. And I would greatly like to see him back in um, against Liverpool. My problem is I don't know who I would drop for him because nobody did anything particularly wrong today. Or rather, everybody did things <laughs> particularly wrong today. Um, yeah, that might be more it, yeah. Nobody stood out in that back line as being like, okay, he should definitely start next time up. Other than Lewis Dunk simply on that goal line clearance alone. Um, possibly, in my opinion, the greatest goal line clearance I've probably ever seen. Uh, it was really good. <laughs> It was it was stunning, and of course, it meant nothing about thirty five seconds later, which is a <laughs> bit annoying. I was about to put a really obnoxious tweet out about Gareth Southgate picking Connor Cody over Lewis Dunk, and then we conceded immediately afterwards. Not really that. <laughs> still, still in the drafts. <laughs> yeah, 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 save it. The funniest thing is, is I was also doing that. Uh, I think I was retweeting exactly just a reminder: Lewis Dunk isn't being picked for England, by the way. And I was like, and that's why. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> um, within half an hour of the game, it was effectively over. Sadly, three um, 0 down. Phil Foden with two, Gundogan with one, um, and two of those goals partly due to our own undoing, mostly due to our own undoing. Uh, Yeah, Rob Sanchez, um, my opinion, should have done a lot better with that. Yes, I've seen them given as fouls, uh, but you can't rely on that, even if you are an incredibly protected group. wasn't a penalty. Um, And then Phil Foden, uh, and and twice, um, lucky deflection, uh, but again, self-inflicted with a poor piece of passing from the back. uh, And... You know, it happens every year against Manchester City. And you can go back and watch the highlights every single year under Hewton or Potter. We play the ball out, we get our line too high, and we're carved apart because we don't have the pace to deal with them coming back at us. And even when we had Aguero against us, who wasn't quick, uh, who wasn't particularly rapid, they still managed to carve us apart. Um I don't feel like I see a lot of other teams get carved apart as comfortably as we do against Manchester City. And I think it's because they play with a far deeper line. What is the solution to a team like that when they're playing that well in the first half? <laughs> cap cap it at three conceded. Um, no, and when I said not a penalty, obviously meant not a, I didn't think it was a foul on Sanchez. Um we, I think this is just, this is Pep understanding the way that we're going to try and play at home. Push up, possession based. We don't have the personnel to be able to sit one or two deep that could actually keep up with that. The amount of pace they have in the middle. I mean, Foden was completely the undoing. Um, even if he didn't get on the score sheet, he was making things happen. Bernardo Silva was, some of the passes, uh, I, and he's apparently on his way out of, the club they're trying to get rid of him. I mean, he's absolutely superb footballer. Fifty million pound. That's all they're offering. That's all they're asking for. I would. I'd rather sell Grealish and <laughs> and turn around and sell him, and then keep Bernardo Silva. Um, I think someone said in the chat as well about sort of taking taking Veltman out of right wing back and, and to 
because he would have got on a yellow card. Yeah, I, I was thinking that too right at the start of the game. Feltman is always good for a yellow card early on. But we also, we didn't see much of that, right? In our previous games, when we get hit on the counter, we've got someone there that just tugs a shirt and pulls a player down and then we're okay. All right, we walk away with a yellow card. We stop the, we stop the counter. Didn't do that in the first half today. They just absolutely scythed us apart. I think, I think, and you're right, because I noticed the same thing. And I think, sadly, as an Albion fan, it was just because we were so far off them. Like, they yeah, were just couldn't so... Couldn't foul them. <laughs> yeah, we weren't <laughs> close enough to do it. <laughs> uh, that first half, the game was effectively over. Um, second half, Brink Brin comes up. A uh, lot better... But, a lot better performance in the second half, obviously. Um, made a couple of substitutions. Uh, went with the uh, the <laughs> the Nate special with a false nine. Um, <laughs> with uh, Tarek Lamptey coming on for Dan Byrne and Neil Mope coming off for Mwepu. Um Let's talk about Mwepu first because I, he was a player that a couple of weeks ago came on as a sub. And I think it was against Brentford. I think uh, when we were asked to kind of shore up that because we were we were a goal up and it was like shore up the, the the back line. And he gave probably one of, if not the worst cameos in the Premier League uh, for us in recent memory. Um, and it was pretty clear he was a million miles off being ready uh, to play in the Premier League. And he came on today for 60, for 30 minutes on the, on the 58th minute and was probably one of our brightest sparks when coming on. Uh, playing in a number 10 role. Um, what Again, it was just a cameo, but what, Craig, what do you make of Enet Mwepu? What, what is this player going to end up being? Because he played just about everywhere in Salzburg too. He played on the right wing and was incredibly effective. He played as a 10 and was effective. And he played in a Bissouma type role and was effective. So what, <laughs> I mean, it's a hard question to answer, but what, what do we think we're going to be seeing here with Mwepu in the future? I mean, it's just a, it's a typical Potter signing, isn't it? In terms of you can play anywhere, including right wing back. But it, it, in terms of just what we saw today was someone, just that extra man in the middle in terms of being able to move and actually make some runs behind. Um, I don't think we saw any of that in the first half. Inevitably, uh, we were just so far pinned back that we didn't stand a chance. But a couple of times when Mwepu's making that run in the middle, you know, giving ourselves a, a different option in terms of what we're doing, we saw a lot of box to box today from him in terms of making himself available. And, you know, we're, Adam mentioned just the, the severe lack of pace in the middle. He just injects that little bit of, you know, pace and strength in the middle that we probably needed at that point. Um, I thought he was really good today. Um, Oh, I know it's for 30 minutes and I know we're already 3-0 down, so they've probably taken their foot off the gas a bit. But he did make a few more things happen and he was available in the middle where previously we didn't have that. Um, so it'd be good to see him obviously you know, continue to make an impact. Uh, I don't think he's going to be starting anytime soon, but um, he, he seems like a good option off the bench, um, You know, given that we don't have Basuma right now. Um, you know, That sort of dynamism in the middle is, is something that we are desperately missing. One of the good things that I think we saw out of him was uh, some of the neat interplay at the edge of the box outside of him just pushing forward and making some really good runs. He had that one where he absolutely just completely miskicked the ball, right? But it was a really good run, really nice pass. Um, He got us the penalty. Um, That was tidy play. It was a a clear penalty. Um, I don't think he was going anywhere, but it was good to get it. (laughs) 
we still don't really know how he's going to work out as a player, but he's showing some good signs. And I think at some point, um, if Moda's going to be starting games, we talked about him and how progressive and how much he'd come on in, in you know some of the earlier games this season. But you could see Mwepu maybe starting games in place of, of Moda, giving one a rest and bringing the other in um, with a few more weeks experience in the league. Do you start him against Leicester midweek? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. All in favour, three, <laughs> all in. Yep, I agree. Uh, and Tarek Lamptey, um, and we spoke about him last week, uh, came on for Dan Byrne. Um, and we all noted last week he didn't look quite back. He looked a little slower, a little weaker, just a little less, I don't know, there was a little less Lamptey pizzazz all the way through his play. Um, came back with a friggin' vengeance this yeah. week. Uh, looked astounding, really, what a week can do. Because uh, he looked back to the exact empty that we lost, you know, over a year ago. Um, was just dynamite on that right-hand side. Uh, that bit of play, um, that Tarek Messi level play that he did uh, to just walk through three different players um, was just unbelievable. Again, only 30 minutes, closer to 35, really, when he came on. At what point are you starting to put him back into the starting lineup? Is Liverpool too risky? Or, you know, for me, at bare minimum, he has to be starting against Newcastle because he has such a good record about just making them utterly bottle it. I think you've got to have him starting against Newcastle at this point. Do you bring him on for another cameo uh, against Liverpool? Um, Or... Do you play him in a full game against Leicester and then rest him entirely until Newcastle? Or a bit of everything? What are, you, what are your thoughts on Derek Lamptey? I, I think you're bringing him for Leicester, right? In terms of he, he's been two thirty minutes, he's played a couple of games, you know, four ninety minutes before as well. And I think you, I think you give him the Leicester game and sort of see how he goes with the four ninety or as far as the ninety as you can get him. Um, bear in mind that in you know. Sometimes he, most of the time, we do have to take him off the seventy-five because he's just been running everywhere. Um, so, I, but in in terms of today, obviously, just making people look silly is just you know that that's his day job and that's what he does. Um, it was just really nice just to see him do that. Like you, you hear from like behind the scenes from the other players just how nice he is and how much of a good guy he is, how grounded he is. Um, to come on against Man City, terrorize a couple of people on that left hand side. Uh, and go home. Um, that's that's Lamptey in a nutshell, really. Yeah, he was shot out of a rocket when he came on. Um, it was, and it and it opened up some of our play a little bit more. We were so left sided um, all of our attacks before because of what Kukurea brought to the team, um, and it was nice to expand that to be able to attack down the right a little bit more and balance ourselves out a bit. Um, yeah, he was spectacular, and I think it's. Uh, we touched on this, but it's it's easy to say, oh, well, these players play well in the second half because Man City is like, oh, okay, they you know, stopped playing football for a little bit of a while because they're 3-0 up. That's true, but we saw how Pep's team wants to play in the last eight to 10 minutes of the game when they're up 3-0. They want to keep the ball. They want to pass it around. They want to frustrate you. If it was up to Pep and his team could instill that in, throughout the entire second half, he would have done that. The changes that we made with Lamptey coming in, Wepu coming on, it meant that they weren't able to do that. Like it really was an impressive switch up from Potter 
with in terms of substitutions and tactics to, to actually make that happen. Let's talk about that final substitution. Uh, you all know, well, this podcast in general is a Pascal Gross uh, Stan account. Um, for me, Alexis McAllister has to start on Saturday against Liverpool. Um, if we are going to persist with this midfield three and someone has to drop out, I think it has to be one of the two of Lalana and Gross. And I think Lalana provides more currently. I think McAllister has to play. He has to start um, because A, he adds more pace, which is something we desperately need, given, as Adam said, we probably have two of the slowest possible players playing in a midfield three, given any team in the Premier League. Um, and he also provides that just that extra cut going forward that, that Pascal doesn't quite have. Um, and it's not exactly like we're going to be a super threat at set pieces that Pascal Gross provides great great options for uh, against Liverpool with players like Van Dijk back there who are just another level entirely. Um, I don't think he had a massive effect on the game when he came on, other than obviously the penalty being being scored just about. Um, and, and he did provide that extra cut going forward. But to me, I just, I think he needs to start next week. I, I would bring him on as a sub against Leicester again, another 30, 35 minutes. And I think he needs to be playing next weekend. Yeah, I, I I don't think, I honestly don't think we'll see him at Leicester um, in terms of what they want to do. And um, but I think you're right. I mean, with you've now got Kukurea, McAllister, and March all provide good set piece options in terms of left and right footed. Um, you know, it's just what Gross brings from open play in terms of his crosses there um, that we'll probably miss. Um, but I think you're right in terms of you need to think about the shape of the team and where we need to change things to make things more attacking or more defensive and shore up both sides. Um, McAllister's a bundle of energy. He gets about the pitch, not saying that Grace doesn't, but I, I'm saying he injects a little bit of pace that I've alluded to before. So um, I would be happy with that change. Um, is Potter going to do it? Probably not. Yeah, I don't think he does it either. Uh, I, but I want to I want to see him... Potter, I think Potter made a mistake today. Uh, it's obviously we can say that in hindsight, but the first half we had a it was a meltdown, a full on shellacking. I think we know that, but but tactically he made those changes in the second half, um, and they had to be made, and we saw the outcome. Uh, it'd be nice if he didn't walk into the Liverpool game with the same mindset as he did coming into this Man City game. Because you could argue at the moment Liverpool are the most informed team out there. You could argue that Salah is currently the best player in the world. Um, and I don't even think that's much of an argument. He, on form, is currently incredible. Um, they're not going to surprise us with the way they line up, the way they play. Liverpool do the same thing every single week and it's can you stop it? Alexis McAllister, for me, isn't the kind of guy that is going to stop that. Um, I don't think we see Basuma. So that then brings us back to what do we do? How do we change it? How do we mix it up? I would like to see Potter come out with a false nine set up like he did in the second half and play the game from the start like that, expecting Liverpool to do exactly what Man City tried to do, which is an oppressive, quick move forward on the counters and 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 these marauding fullbacks and pacey forwards. 
but who knows? He'll probably start, I don't know, Dan Burnett centre forward or something. Honestly, I'm not entirely against it just for the just for the memes. Um, <laughs> uh, so the fourth goal for me, I thought was almost a perfect. If someone wanted to know, oh, how was the Brighton Man City game? I think in a snapshot, I think showing that fourth goal would have been perfect because uh, I thought that encompassed everything that we did wrong um, and 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 how effective City were at capitalising on those things that we did wrong. Um, I thought it was perfect to, to, to encompass that. Um, a, a really poor header from Dunk out just into the middle of nowhere in no man's land and it was two touches away and it was back of the net. Um, Player-wise, who do we have as our man of the match? today um obviously we've just been dicked for one so it's obviously not an easy thing to go for um but but who are we who are we pinning down as our man of the match today kevin friend (laughs) (laughs) he was terrible for a lot of it wasn't he i thought kukureya was good um he he was at fault for one of the goals he was pushed really far up he tried a little cheeky ball into the box Man City got it, just walked up the other end and scored. Um, I think that might have even been the first goal. But outside of that, God, he offers so much. He's 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 fitted so well. I feel like we've said this the last three weeks in a row. Um, he is, and I'm seeing tweets out from fans of other teams like, "Oh my God, I wish, I wish Pep had got him. I wish Ole had bought him." You know, it, he's he's top tier. Him and Lamptey are top tier players. Uh, for me, it was him, but it wasn't great to pick outside of his horrible mistake Sanchez actually had a pretty good game yeah I'm of the same ilk I think it's, it's very slim pickings obviously today but in terms of seeing the quality shining through in terms of who did well versus who didn't do so well um, it's just who did the least bad and I think <laughs> in terms of just what Kukurea brings offensively defensively like not a lot really went past him Um you know, there's obviously Lamptey with his 30-minute cameo. You can't give him man of the match based on that, but he did change the game. Um, and then you're right in terms of the amount of shots on goal that they had in terms of Sanchez and what he could and couldn't do about things. Um, he was relatively assured in his shot top stopping and his, um, you know, his, I guess, his abilities with the feet as well in terms of just passing it out and being able to pick out passes was very good against a very high double press. Um, so... Yeah. You know, two very worthy shout-outs, but I think, yeah, Kukurea is going to have a fair few man of the matches uh, at the end of this season, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I was going to give it to Sanchez as well, which is really strange in my brain to give it to a man that's conceded four goals. But I thought outside of that, where he should have been a lot stronger and a lot more authoritative at that beginning to concede that first goal, um, I thought he was near enough faultless. Uh, his distribution was nothing short of exceptional. I think he played one poor ball and he had 90 touches of the ball today. Uh, 90 touches of the ball and one poor pass, um, which is a far cry from what we'd been seeing earlier on in the season where we'd been seeing it a lot. We'd talked about it. We'd seen that he wasn't as comfortable on the ball. It was excellent today. His shot stopping was superb. One or two of those goals were a bit hard done by because it was deflections. Yeah. I think on two of them. Um, and, you know, it, he still got a hand on one of them. It was a bit tough. His positioning was outrageous. Um, there was more than once where Foden should have scored 
if we'd have had a lesser keeper. Um, but his ability to read what was going on and essentially act as that kind of sweeper keeper supreme, I thought he was really good today. Um, and yeah, I, I don't have a lot of complaints about it other than that first goal. Um, I thought he was really good and still seems weird to be giving him it but that's, yeah. that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> people, yeah people will listen to this and and we'll, we're sort of raving we about Sanchez and, idiots yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, I, they, there was there was one in that first half where foden was cleaned through and sanchez was in his face before he even turned around so yes. i think just in terms of his ability to read the game you know we, we started talking about his potential overconfidence around last week and just maybe you know, reading the game or looking into things a bit too much. But I think we're probably in humble pie on that one because I, you know, there's a couple of def- deflections, some poor passes today that left him kind of stranded. Um, and, you know, he, he done the best that he could and anything that was able to be saved, he, he done it with relative comfort. And the players that we talked about there, Sanchez, 23, Kukurea, 23, Tarek Lamptey, 21, yeah, people, people are going to be watching these guys pretty closely over the next couple of years. Uh, it's going to be tough to keep hold of them, especially if Sanchez Cucurelli start playing more heavily with the national team in a couple of years. It has to be a matter of time until Cucurelli is in that Spain squad. It has to be. Yeah, I'm trying to think who they even play in that position. I don't think Jordi Arba's dropped at this point, or at least he should be. I was going to say, I yeah. think Arba's been dropped for a while. Um, yeah. But I would have to go and have a look as to who it is replacing him because um, I've not got a clue. Uh, any players stand out as particularly poor performances today? Um, I'll go first. Neil Mopé, uh, no fault of his own, in my opinion, but he just looked like he was just on a hide into nothing. Um, he just he wasn't presented any opportunities, so he didn't get any. Um, and he just was very much an anonymous man out there. And I don't blame him for it. Um but it does stand out as being one of those performances that he would probably sooner forget. He felt like he was just very isolated and had little to nothing. He just did a lot of running. <laughs> felt like he just ran. It was almost a Craig McHale Smith performance. Um, and, and there was very little he could do out there. The same Mopay we say it's week in, week out. We say either based on his effectiveness on a game, whether it's scoring a goal or just doing anything, he is a byproduct of how the team create. Um, and in the first half, we created nothing. Neil Mopé was then surrounded by two of the most astute centre-backs in the league. Um, and what, this is, he couldn't have done anything else. But yes, he was, by definition, crap. <laughs> because he had no choice. Yeah, I guess it's just a pedestrian performance caused by the fact that we weren't actually creating any chances um so you know i I think also it's it's very easy to say this in terms of the back line but obviously we were punished very clinically for our mistakes at the back um so in terms of the passing outside the back with i'm gonna i'm gonna say dan burn and lewis dunk as in both of them um some relatively poor passes around the back um, that led us into very difficult situations around that press. Um, like I said, easy to say that because Man City are so clinical and they got those chances and they put them away relatively easily. Um, but we we have seen that where we've misplaced a few passes at the back and teams do get chances, but they miss them because they're not 
one of the best teams in the world and one of the richest teams in the world. So, um, you know, that that's a, a call out, but obviously you need to take that with a pinch of salt too. Luckily, we get a nice reprieve uh, next week. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't stop, does it? Because midweek when we're, we're away at Leicester as well. Um, just a quick thing to finish the City piece, because I think we've pretty much said everything we can say about it. Um, Jack Grealish cost 14 times more money than our three centre-halves and goalkeepers today um, alone. So really does show you the levels um, that, that, <laughs> that we're at in this game at times. It is, um, it is perspective, isn't it? Really, and like it, it's never truer when we we play City because first of all, we we tend to get carved open. So I start trying to think about positives and excuses as to why this is happening, and um, but it's not an excuse. It's completely valid. You know, you're talking around. I I'm said last week in terms of our entire stadium and training facilities, you know, cost one and a bit Jack Grealish. You know, it, it's infrastructure building. We're just on a different sort of plane or a different path than the Man City are. Um, yeah. We're not expected to beat Man City. We don't need to beat Man City. <laughs> um, we can We can do what Brighton should do by getting results in other other games and stealing a point from the what I would class as three sides that are just cantering away or will do at the top of the league in, in City, Liverpool and and Chelsea. Um you know get points at the weaker teams. Yeah. Like Arsenal. Six times. Yeah, Sky had a graphic pre-match uh, comment from Nick in the chat. The City starting eleven was about six times more expensive than ours was. I think that <laughs> it's perfect, really. Um yeah. And bear in mind that they also brought on Mares <laughs> and Kevin De Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne, yeah. So uh, when you add those to it as well, that I mean, what what are you supposed to do? Um, when the invariable striker that they probably would have signed in the summer transfer window for 100, 120 million if they could have as well. So uh, it's going to get going to get worse too, isn't it? Really, but whatever. I think. Just, I guess when we when we were talking about this last week, we were saying as long as we play our game or as long as we give a reasonable account of ourselves. Um, obviously, we wanted probably more than thirty minutes, but it, in those sort of sixty to ninety minutes, we did play our game. Um, we did yeah. try, and we huffed and we puffed. Um, so, in that respect, I don't think I feel that shitty really um, it kept to a respectable score after a very very poor first half. Um, so I think there will be some positives for Potter to take out of that second half, despite the gut punch right at the end. The 85th minute, the Amex was rocking. Uh, and that <laughs> what killed it was Alexis's crap free kick. But the stadium, yeah, it, was. Was, it was absolutely <laughs> banging. Uh, because everyone felt like, everyone felt, okay, let's put a ball in here, get your head on it, it goes through two, anything can happen. Um, not many sides can say that against City. So... So let's offer an alternative take on it because there's going to be people out there thinking it or saying it sooner or later. Um, on the other hand, we are now winless in four Premier League matches uh, and Liverpool next up. Cause for concern, uh, we've scored eight goals this season, um, which would put us towards the bottom four, five in the table. I think we're at um, nine, aren't we? You're, doing, you're stealing a you're goal. Right, nine. Uh but we are we are not doing great in that department, um, and we are looking more and more like we used to uh, in that you know that that 
season that we've just got through uh, in 2021 where we couldn't seem to convert chances at all. Um, Liverpool next, which probably isn't going to get any easier. Um, is there a cause for concern? I think there's always been a co- uh, concern around goals, right? I think a lot of people will tell you that, you know, we needed a striker, needed a striker, needed a striker. You know, Morpé went on to a, a very good start, but he also did that last year. Um, I think goals have always been a concern. It's just around, I think, the first eight games of this season, we've been very good defensively in terms of only conceding five from eight. You know, that has sort of alleviated the concern for goals. Um, if you never concede, you're always picking up points. And I think that's very true for the start that we've had. Um as soon as we start conceding four, Liverpool, you know, again, we're, we're talking about playing our game, huffing and puffing, but not expecting a result by any means. Um, it then moves on to Newcastle for me more than anything. I think, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Liverpool as another free hit. You know, we as long as we give a good account of ourselves, then, then we're good. Um, but I think the concern is always there, and especially now with nine goals in nine games. Um, it needs to be better than that if we're trying to reach where we want to reach. Uh, another team that has nine goals at the moment, Tottenham Hotspur with uh, what everyone basically said is the best best striker in the world, or well, one of the top three. Um, again, I'm, 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 I'm about defending Mope. Uh, I think we, there is our style of play, to your point, Craig, is, is the fact that we control the game uh, against opposition where we can feasibly do that um prior to this game what did we just say we'd conceded five goals in eight games superb um it doesn't matter if you score 40 goals if you're conceding 50 uh so that's just that's just the way that we play um i don't know if it's necessarily need for long-term concern at the moment we've also not at any point during the season had a full strength team out there um, our best team on paper. What was promising is Adam Webster was on the bench today and hopefully he's able to start, maybe give, give him a few minutes midweek um, or see if he can start against Liverpool. Again, I've talked about this before, but I think he's actually quite important in terms of how we create from the back. Craig, you talked about our passing a little bit shabby with Duncan uh, uh, and Byrne today. A lot of that's the press, but also Byrne's not exactly Zinazine Zidane on the ball, is he? Um, and Webster's better at that. We haven't had Lamptey. We've only seen him in fits and starts as we've got 30 minutes out of him today. Basuma, maybe at some point he's going to play again. Let's let's just let's wait and see. We've got new players that have come in as well that have been getting up to speed. Yeah, I think that's my biggest concern is that the depth we have isn't the problem, I think, is we've got we've got so many good youthful prospects, it's tough to bring in experienced heads that can get you results with their bringing in, if that makes sense. So, like, mm-hmm. you lose Bissouma and you've got to bring in Jakob Moda, Alex McAllister, you know, both just about old enough to drink over here in the US. And, you you know, <laughs> they're not going to be expected to be that, like, oh, well, now we've brought him in, so he'll drag us over the line. We don't we don't have players like that. Um, and I think, for me, that's, that's more my concern than anything, is we're struggling more than usual this year on keeping players fit that are important to us. Um, And, you know, if we get to Newcastle, um, again, I see the same thing. Liverpool is a free hit, especially at Anfield. Um, I think Newcastle United, uh, 
the the bail hearing and all of that stuff will have been over. Um, that's just a fact with Basuma. Um, we barring any you know any shenanigans over the next two games, we we should hopefully um, with everything being good have a lineup that genuinely covers Webster being back, Lamptey on the right, Cuckoo on the left, and Basuma in that midfield role as well. Um, at that point, I think you can pretty much put anyone else you want in front of them all, um, and and you're going to have a good chance of getting a result, um, barring putting us three up there, I suppose. Uh, but <laughs> I think I think that I think that there is going to be a lot of concern from some fans, though. You're already starting to see it after just one game, um, and I think the collective message to them will be just chill out a little bit um, and just wait. <laughs> yeah, it just uh, and you could just look at the context too. Look at the context of this. Uh, someone's ringing my doorbell. Here you go. We need to look at the context of the rest of the league, which is the fact that uh, there are few other teams that have scored less than us and conceded an absolute mountain more goals than us, um, including teams. Everyone's going to be like, we need to go get a better striker, so on and so forth. Well, Wolves have scored nine goals as well, and they've got Raul Jimenez, Adama Traore, who else on their team? Uh, who else has scored zero goals? We talked about Norwich scoring two. Burnley have scored seven. Leeds with their wealth of attacking talent and the masterclass Bielsa forward planning manager, eight goals. Southampton, eight goals. There's worse teams here and they conceded a lot more. Adam Armstrong dropped to the bench. Can't even get games again now. It's a player I know a lot of fans were hoping we get over the summer. I'm glad we didn't go for him personally. He was just more of the same for me. We've already got Adam Armstrong. His name's Neil Mope, and he's got a better, better experience in the Premier League. Um, Mikey in the chat, I think we should either be playing Basuma or leave him off the bench. No point just letting him sit there. If anything, he's taking a space on the bench. Could be giving someone younger some experience. It was an odd one last year, last week, and I wasn't at all surprised to see him there this week. Uh, and my theory on it is that this is the Albion's way of showing support while also explaining to him that they can't possibly play him until it's officially done and dusted with. Um, but, but he's not wrong. Mikey isn't wrong in that there is a spot there that another player could have taken. Um, you know, a Sarmiento, somebody like that, who could have possibly come on and, and provided a different impetus. Um, we're not going to have much longer to worry about it one way or another. Because after Liverpool, we're going to get an answer, regardless, for better or worse. Um, so this conversation is not going to be one that we have for very much longer. But what what do we think with Basuma being on the bench for a second week in a row and quite clearly not going to be a player we're going to bring on? Because if he's able to be on the bench, he will should be starting in any almost any starting out of it in the Premier League. So what's what's going on with this? Do you think that it's right? Do you think we just keep going? Or do you think that it is a waste of a spot? It's it's not right or wrong. It's it's just we talked about it. It's a PR move. They can't do. They can't start him because there'd be outrage by certain sections of of the fan base. And if they dropped him altogether, then there'd be assumptions of guilt. Um, it's it's a fence sitting move. It's a PR move. 
Yeah, like you said, <laughs> I, I chuckled when you said it's a very Switzerland move. But you know, it, in terms of, but you've also you've already played your cards, right? You you can't just go and do something different the next week. Um, unsubstantiated, but I heard some rumors that he wasn't even doing anything at halftime to warm up or keep warm. So it seems like a very solidified decision to say you're on the bench, but you're you're not doing anything. Um, but yeah, and you're right, and that's where Asamiento or you know. Even even as low down as giving one of the Ferguson or Morans just the uh, just an experience of even sitting on the bench or even being involved, it, they don't have to play. But and you know they probably wouldn't. But having having that experience of being with the first team for a match day is probably a lot more uh, fruitful than what we what we are allegedly calling a, a PR move or a PR stunt. Let's talk about your Morans and Fergusons, uh, because I expect we may well see a fair few of those midweek. Um, what what kind of lineup do you want to see coming into this this uh, this EFL EFL League Cup, whatever the hell you want to call it, Carabao Cup? Because uh, I think we're at what the last sixteen now? No, thirty two. Sixteen or thirty two? Is it the Tuesday, the Tuesday or the Wednesday? Apologies. It Wednesday. is the Wednesday. Yep, Wednesday. And Liverpool's the Saturday. Yes, both away, which is not nice. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm thinking logistically. Do, do they stay there for the rest of the week? That's what I'm thinking. I think you probably do. I think you probably just make your way up to Liverpool straight from Leicester. Um, I mean, sixteen of the competition, though. Um, hmm. What what kind of lineup do you want to see as an Albion fan in the last sixteen of a cup competition? Uh, sandwiched in between Manchester City and Liverpool. I, I think you give the juice to the, the team that got us there. Um I you know we, we you then start to think about oh we could actually get quite far. Let's let's remove the people that got us to the 16 and, and give us more more of a chance. Um I think you reward the players that have been playing well and doing what they've been doing, beating Cardiff, beating Swansea, um, having some of the fringe players get some time, Wepu, Lamptey, Connolly, you know, those those sort of players. Um, alongside, you know, your, your I guess the the under twenty threes that got you there in the first place. That's that's my expectation. That's probably what I would want to see as well. Yeah, I, I it's the chance of possibly getting a point at Anfield to me is more important than progressing in this competition. Um, so I, again, I've, I said before, I'll say it again, I don't care about this cup. Um, if we somehow find ourselves getting through this round, it gets interesting. Of course, it's a nice, it's a nice story, but the future of this club is based on league position. Let's just focus there. I would agree with that. I would like, to, I would not mind at all if it was a totally changed 11, not, a, not a bother. Uh, Leicester are playing in a European competition and are also focused on the league as well. You know that they they had a bit of a, a rough start to their their time in the Prem this week this year as well. They're sitting in twelfth, uh, three wins, two draws, three losses. They're not exactly tearing up trees, and they play Brentford tomorrow. Um, a game that they would see as one that they should be taking points from. Um, I won't be at all surprised if we see two pretty reserved sides out there. Um, yeah. Because Leicester have also, like I said, a bunch of European games to worry about as well. This is probably uh, a bit of an unwanted game for them, possibly even more so than it is for us. It definitely um, is. They got what four games in ten days, uh, and they had to go to Moscow in the week, right? 
Yep. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. And then they have to go to Moscow again just before the international break. Right. Yeah. You don't want to. They don't want this game more than we don't want it because <laughs> they got. They also play Arsenal after that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Last thing: Liverpool. Liverpool away. Um, they also have uh, a midweek game uh, away at Preston. Uh, you would expect them to be playing their full reserve side out there yeah. um, and possibly winning, possibly not. I'm not sure Klopp will be too pissed off either way. He'll pretend to be, but I, I'm not sure he'll be too upset if they, they don't do particularly well. Um, I I do have one eye on, on Liverpool in terms of what they are going to put out against us simply because they have Atletico Madrid three days after us. Do you think that if they're going to play a weakened side, because they are going to play one against one of the teams, they are going to, you know, they're not going to play Salah, Mane, Firmino, you know, all of these, all of these top players, your Trent Alexander-Arnolds, your, your Robertsons, you're not going to play them two games in three days. So against the Albion, I, I think you're going to see at least one of those front three drop out for Diogo Hotter, Jota, whatever his name is. Um, I think you're probably going to see one or two changes maybe at fullback. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw a Simakas come in um, and, and and something like that. Do, do you think that the, that Klopp is going to, because he's going to, he, he can't, he's going to have to rotate. So do you think that Klopp opts to go stronger in the Premier League, given that, you know, if they win tomorrow uh, against Manchester United, they are still very much in the title race. They're only their second and, and well in it. Uh, or do you think that they they go ahead and and put all it more of their eggs, not all of them, but more of their eggs into that that Champions League basket? I I think I think they go, I think they go as strong as possible against us in the hope that they get two or three goals up and you sub everyone off at sixty minutes and try and see the game out. I think that's that's probably the the idea there. Um, you may see a Simakas or you may see um, you know one or two, you know maybe. <laughs> they can put in Curtis Jones and, and stuff like that and still be perfectly capable. Um, but I, I fully expect 65 minutes out of some of their best players and hoping to take them off then. Um, obviously, those planes could change, but I, it doesn't strike me that Klopp's going to go easy on the Premier League when they're in the position they're in, um, especially with Chelsea and Man City doing so well. Yeah, that's a, uh, I, couldn't, I can't say it better than that. That's exactly what I expect them to do. They got the win they needed in the Champions League away at the, the Wanda Metropolitano this week. Um, they're clear in that group by five points. Um, Champions League, if they just draw at home to Atletico the following week, they're set. They're fine. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. They'll see They'll see the game against Brighton as a situation where they can start to um, get closer to, to Matt. Well, they'll, they'll go above Man City if they win tomorrow, but get closer to Chelsea. Uh, that's where Klopp's going to make his money. So TLDR, it's going to be an absolute shit show next week, as much as it is this week. I hope Potter's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if Salah doesn't score two goals, we've we've done a great job. Uh, that's really- the form. The form that that man is in is unreal. It's some of the things he's been doing these last few weeks. It's yeah. it's scary. It's going to be really scary to play against them. They they have. For the last, apart from against Man City, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the last eight games they played, excluding Man City, they've scored at least three goals. Great. 
<laughs> so we'll I mean, see you all I, next week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if he, he's going up against Kukurea, right? I mean, that that's exciting within itself just to see how how you even manage that. But that'll be one of many tasty battles, I'm sure. Especially if he's going against Kukurea and Webster as a double up. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, one way or another, for, for one team, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Or, or um, you play Burn there because you know Burn is, is used to drifting to the left and can cover that side, and he can be the the balance with Kukure. It's not. Uh, it's not going to be that fun either way. The fact <laughs> is, they they beat Watford five 0 and then Watford have turned around today and won. What was it five five two uh, against Everton who? were otherwise looking looking good that's the drastic gap between how good they are versus yeah so we'll see yeah anything else before we wrap up oh another small update for adam on uh union saint galloy who are currently two nil up um so uh yeah they've, they've got a little bit of a late one today so i'm just seeing it flash through my my twitter but um Again. Well, in, in more Swiss news, because we haven't talked about Swiss uh, enough in this show, Zakiri <laughs> scored his second go- goal this week as well. He did. Uh, a consolation against Mainz, wasn't it? It was. But hey, we would have taken that today. They, 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 all, they all count. They, they, all, count. they, they, all, they, all, they all count. It was a uh, bit of a bit of a strike poacher's goal as well, wasn't it? I saw a clip of it the other day. It was a proper just... Poachers fox in the box goal. Forgotten um, what they feel like, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we shall see. Uh, but all right, boys. Well, I'll let you go. Um, we will uh, be back next week. Uh, we play Liverpool at Anfield, uh, and we also have um, a last sixteen competition game against Leicester to cover next week as well. So plenty to talk about. Um, so we will see you all next week. Uh, have a great week, and see you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Peace.